We're in the book of Revelation chapter 19. We're going to begin reading with verse 11 of this chapter. Let's stand for the read of God's Word. This is a wonderful passage of Scripture. I love it because heaven is opened. Verse 11, I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon this stallion was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he did judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon the white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. And I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of the heavens, Come and gather yourselves together under the great supper of the uh, great God, the supper of the great God, that ye may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of captains and the flesh of mighty men and the flesh of horses and of them that sit on them and the flesh of all men, both free, bond, both small and great. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. And the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast and them that worshiped his image. These both were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. And the, rem the remnant was slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse, which sword proceeded out of his mouth, and all the fowls were filled with their flesh. I want to use for a subject this morning earth's reentry. You may be seated. Earth's reentry. We call that the second coming of Jesus Christ. The thing is, not only is Jesus Christ returning, but the saints of God will be returning. In the clouds of glory, we will return with our awesome Savior, Jesus Christ. We'll be coming to uh, see Jesus Christ conquer and take the Antichrist and the false prophet and cast them into the lake of fire and all them that worship the beast and took the mark of the beast. There are two suppers found in this chapter 19. Verse 9, there's the supper of the marriage of the Lamb, or the marriage supper of the Lamb. And then we find in verse 17 that there is a supper of the great God. The, the marriage supper of the Lamb is for the saints. The great supper of the great God, or the supper of the great God is for the birds, and for flesh, 
A lot of people would try to take this chapter 19 and spiritualize all of it. But how are you going to spiritualize dead horses being eaten by birds? How are you going to spiritualize all of these things? Yes, this is a literal battle. Literal battle. And Jesus Christ has told us over and over again that he's coming back. He's coming to fight a battle in the battle of, uh, there in the valley of Megiddo. In that valley of Megiddo, there has been 34 battles fought in that valley. Almost all the kings of Israel have had battles in this uh, valley of Megiddo where Jesus Christ is coming. Gideon fought the Midianites there. Sennacherib fought Hezekiah there. It was there where uh, Sennacherib, he had, he had um, 185,000 of his soldiers smitten dead by an angel in the night. It was there in that valley of Megiddo or Armageddon where Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, Necho, killed Josiah. This valley has been filled with battles of the past. But there's coming a battle that will just literally uh, make all these other battles just peel into insignificance. This great battle of Jesus Christ is going to return. Now, a lot of people would like to say, no, it can't be a literal battle. But I want to say to everyone in this room, flesh is aggressive, flesh is, and, uh, is evil, flesh is, is harsh, uh, uh, flesh is abrasive, flesh will kill. And Jesus Christ is going to come and fight in a battle. And it's going to be a battle that he will conquer as King of Kings and Lord of Lords in the Valley of Megiddo or Armageddon. I want to clear up some things. When Jesus Christ comes in the clouds, in the air, he's going to catch his church up. The second coming is in two phases. The first part of the second coming, Jesus Christ will not come to planet Earth, but rather he will descend from his throne just above the atmosphere, and he will catch us up to meet him in the air. It's called the rapture of the church. We're going to be caught up to meet Jesus Christ in the air. The dead shall rise first, and we which are alive in Christ shall be caught up to meet Jesus in the air. First Thessalonians, Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 and on. We'll be with Jesus during this seven years of great outpouring of God's wrath on the planet Earth. And at the end of the seven years, or short, it's shortened just a shade, Jesus Christ will return to planet Earth. I call it Earth's reentry. The reentry of Jesus Christ to planet Earth. Jesus Christ warned his disciples and warned all of us that if you hear someone say, behold, the, the Messiah, behold, the Lord is in the desert, he said, don't go out to meet him. If they say, well, he's in a secret place, don't go out to meet him because Jesus Christ said, when I come, speaking of his second coming to earth, when I come, it will be like lightning from the east to the west. So shall the coming of the Son of Man be. Let me point out some things today that will help you understand this better. 
And that is when Jesus Christ speaks of his return to planet Earth, he speaks of it as he returning as a man, the God-man, the resurrected man. It does not say that he, that the Son of God will return. When Jesus refers to the second coming of his return to earth, he doesn't use the phrase, the Son of God. He always uses the phrase, the Son of Man will return. The same man that died on the cross of Calvary for sins for you and I. That man, Christ Jesus, the Son of Almighty God. That same man that walked upon the waters and healed the uh, sick and cleansed the leper and opened blinded eyes. That same man, his name is Jesus Christ, loved us so much that he went to the cross of Calvary and was sacrificed as the Lamb of God for the sins of the world. That man that was crucified on the cross of Calvary, that God man, Jesus Christ, who suffered in agony and died on the cross, that Jesus, that Savior of the world was, that was buried in the tomb, rose again from the grave, that man that ascended back to heaven, sat down at the right hand of the Father, that man, Jesus Christ, the Son of Almighty God, conqueror of death, hell, and the grave, he will return back to planet Earth riding upon a white stallion. Now, we need to understand that the second coming, the rapture of the church is not the same as the second coming. We find in verse 11 of chapter 19, this is the second coming of Jesus Christ. This is when he returns to earth. This is earth's re-entry. Jesus Christ returns to earth. He's not coming back in a spaceship. He's not coming back in a souped up motorcycle. He's not coming, up in a, coming back in some kind of apparatus. He's going to descend from heaven with a shout, the voice of an archangel, call his church up personally with arms open wide and, and raptures his church into his presence. But when he returns, he's going to give us all a horse to ride. All a horse to ride. Now, I, you know, horses are cool. I said horses are cool. Are cool. The only problem is horses don't cooperate with me. Because when I'm riding them, when they're going down, I'm going up. When I'm going down, they're coming up. Kind of like this. And it's just really abrasive on a mortal body. <laughs> now, you remember in the book of Revelation, chapter 1, verse 7, it says, Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him. Notice it says, every eye shall see him, and they that also that pierce him, and all the kindred of the earth shall wail because of him. Amen. Now, I want you to notice that the second coming of Jesus Christ, or earth's reentry, every eye will see him. At the rapture, not every eye will see him. Only the eyes of the redeemed. Only the eyes of the church that's caught up to meet Jesus in the air. But when Jesus Christ returns to planet Earth, his reentry, every eye will see him. Look at Revelation chapter 1, verse 7. I quoted it to you, but let's read it. Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him, and all the kindreds of the earth shall well because of him. Even so, amen. Now, Zechariah refers to the fact that 
the nation Israel will wail and grieve over his return because they'll see the nail prints, they'll see the wounds in his body. But here in verse 7, it says, All kindreds of the earth will wail and cry as the Son of God, as the Son of Man, as Jesus Christ brings his re-entry into planet earth. Every eye shall see him. A hundred years ago, no one could understand that. A hundred years ago, you'd be hard put to understand that verse, every eye shall see him. But But today... Everything can be seen by cameras, by news, by cell phones. I mean, the, the guys are riding on camels with cell phones. I mean, it makes no difference where they are. They got a cell phone. And they'll be, you know, everything's going to be seen. When Jesus Christ returns, every eye shall see him. That's what Revelation chapter 1 verse 7 says. That is also what Revelation chapter 19 verse 11 is telling us. I saw heaven open and behold a white horse and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true and righteous he did judge and make war. Two places in the book of Revelation, heaven is opened. It's open first in Revelation chapter four verse one. Behold, I saw a door open in heaven, a voice like a trumpet calling John to come up hither. Picture of the church being caught up to the window of Jesus Christ into the presence of the Lord. After the great tribulation, Jesus Christ returns with his saints and comes to planet earth with his saints. We'll share that a little bit further on. But I, I want to spend just a moment how every eye shall see him when he comes. Did you know Zechariah mentions this? Jesus Christ mentions this. Go to Matthew 27. Matthew chapter 27, verse 20, uh, 24 rather. Matthew chapter 24, verse 27. And notice what it says. Well, we'll back up to verse 26 because I mentioned it a moment ago. Wherefore, if they shall say unto you, behold, he is in the desert, speaking of Jesus, go not forth. Behold, he... He is in a secret chamber. Believe it not. In other words, if anyone says we found the Messiah, we found Jesus, Jesus said, don't believe it. Because when I come, I'm going to come, verse 27, as the lightning cometh out of the east that shineth unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Now remember the two suppers, one supper for the saints, the other supper for the birds, eating of all flesh. Look at verse 27. Matthew chapter 24, verse 28, rather. For whosoever, for wheresoever the carcass is, there will the eagles be gathered together, or that it be buzzards, the fowls of the air. So Jesus spoke of it. Now go with me to Zechariah chapter 14, and let's, let's see what Zechariah says about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. When he comes to planet Earth, his re-entry to planet Earth. Did you know every eye is going to see him and God's going to see to it that every camera, every eye, every cell phone, every ability that we have to capture, God's going to see to it that it won't be darkened. It won't be hindered. You know, God is so smart and we're so stupid. God is so smart. Look at verse 6. 
And it shall come to pass, this is chapter 14, that that day, that's the day the Lord returns, that light shall not be clear nor dark, but it shall be one day which shall be known to the Lord, not day nor night, but it shall come to pass that at evening time it shall be light. God's going to bring a special light when he comes. And that light's going to shine so bright as the lightning flashes from the east to the west. Now, something about lightning, and if you, if you stop and think about lightning, it, it usually just zip and it's gone. Lightning just kind of zip and it's over. But Jesus Christ says, no, no, no. When I come, it'll be lightning that streaks across from the east to the west. And it will lighten the whole planet. And every eye shall see me, Jesus Christ says, when I come. Isn't that beautiful? Zechariah shows a special light that Jesus Christ will bring with him when he comes with his church. Now, let's look at some things um, this morning. Uh, I want to begin by saying, yes, there will be horses. Yes, there will be horses. When you read that, you think, oh, man, come on. You really believe there's going to be horses? Yeah, I do. And the reason I believe there's going to be horses is it found in verse 11 and verse 14. Verse 11, I saw heaven open and behold a white horse, and he that sat upon it was called faithful and true. Jesus is riding a white horse, a stallion. Then in verse 14, it says we're all going to be riding a white horse. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. According to Jude verse 14, that those that are riding with Jesus back to planet earth are the saints. Jude says he cometh with 10,000s of his saints. What saints is he talking about? He's talking about Old Testament saints. He's talking about great tribulation saints. He's talking about church saints. Talking about you and I. Behold, he cometh with 10,000 of his saints, and he's all going to give us a white horse to ride. Say, preacher, you really don't believe there's horses in heaven. Yeah, I do. I, I know there'll be animals on the millennial reign. I know there'll be animals on the earth, the utopia when Jesus reigns a thousand years. But I also believe there's animals in heaven. But they're not animals like you think of animals. They're souped-up animals. Amen? They're, they're horses that are incredible. They're greater than any souped-up Shelby Mustang. These horses are supernatural horses. According to 1 Corinthians 15, there is terrestrial and celestial bodies, meaning that these horses could be spiritual bodies, terrestrial Terrestrial bodies, heavenly bodies, like that of angels, special bodies. And how fast them horses can run, maybe the speed of light, maybe faster. How I many know oh, you better hold on when you get on one of them suckers, amen? And you'll be riding a horse that is not like an earthly horse. Will there be horses in heaven? Yes, there'll be horses in heaven, but they won't be like horses on earth. 
They will be glorified. They'll be uh, powerful. They'll be uh, angelical horses, powerful horses. They'll have a body, uh, some type of terrestrial, terrestrial body. They will be able to fly. They'll be, they'll be created by God Almighty, and you'll be able to mount one of them, and you better hang on. Good, good thing God's going to give us a brand-new glorified body so we can hang on to it. Amen. Maybe my blessed assurance wouldn't be so sore by the time I get down here. But there, there are horses that are real, and they'll be coming, and we'll be riding with Jesus down to planet Earth. Now, I want to point out something that the Lord spoke to me that really blessed my heart. Verse, um, I'm not going to go up to there. We, we talked about that last Sunday. But, Verse 13, Jesus Christ, well, I can't do violence to God's word. Look at verse 12 and 13. And his eyes, just speaking of Jesus, like a flame of fire, his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. He was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. This blood is not his blood. At the cross of Calvary, his blood, the blood of Jesus Christ, was on those who crucified him. When Jesus Christ shed his blood on the cross of Calvary, his blood was put on his enemies. His blood was put there. And praise God, when I was an enemy, his blood was put on me and I got saved and reconciled by the Spirit of God. His blood, the blood of Jesus Christ, been put on you and I if we're a born-again child of God. But when Jesus Christ returns to planet Earth, it won't be his blood on his enemies. It'll be his enemy's blood on his. See, we, along about Christmas time, we think, you know, this lovable Jesus in a manger, laid in a manger, and he, he's sweet and lovable, innocent little child. Jesus grows up, never hurts anybody, heals the sick, raises the dead. Such a sweet Messiah come to to, to heal and to bless and encourage. And, and the world's okay with that. The world's okay with, yeah, there was a Jesus. He, he did miracles. He did great things. But, but when you start telling them that same Jesus is going to come back and he's going he's to clean up house. He's going he's to come back conquering to, in, a, uh, in a battle of Armageddon. The, the world doesn't want Jesus to grow up that big. They'd like to keep him as a little baby in the manger. They'd like to keep him small. But I mean, know oh, Jesus Christ is God Almighty. Hello. Notice it says that his vesture's dipped in blood. His name is called the Word of God. Now, there's a song about this, and I, I wrote a piece of it down so you could hear. This song was written in the, in the Civil War times. And this song was written about Jesus Christ coming on that white horse to fight in the Battle of Armageddon to come and conquer his enemies. This song was written, and I've sung this song. In the early part of my ministry, I used to sing this song in a lot of the, the local churches around this area. We used to sing it. They'd, they'd get up and the song leader would lead us in the song. And the song goes something like this. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. He is trampling out the vintage where the grapes of wrath are stored. He has loosed the fatal lightning of his terrible swift sword. His truth is marching on. Yeah. That song 
was written based on the verses that we're reading. When Jesus Christ comes, he will bring about a great deluge of judgment on earth. The enemies will be conquered. And we're going to come with him. Notice it says in verse, 13, uh, verse 14, and the armies which were in heaven followed him upon the white horses, clothed in fine linen, and white and clean. That's, that's the saints. That's the Old Testament saints. That's Moses and Elijah. That's Ezekiel and Isaiah. That's the Old Testament saints. That's, that's the tribulation saints that's been martyred. That's the church of Jesus Christ. We're all going to mount a, a powerful, amazing, incredible creation of God that the Bible calls the white horse, and we're going to ride to planet Earth, re-entry to planet Earth, and Jesus Christ is going to take over, take over, and put down all ungodliness. In fact, the book of Jude says that he's going to come after all the ungodly with all their ungodly deeds, ungodly, ungodly, ungodly. I've got to read that to you. Uh, Jude verse uh, 14, verse 15. Well, I'll read 14 and 15. And Enoch also the seventh from Adam prophesied of these things, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints. Everybody say me. So you're in that. Ten thousands of his saints. The Old Testament saints. You say, why is he bringing the Old Testament saints with him? Because he's going to give them a brand new body at the millennial reign. The Jewish Old Testament saints are going to get a brand new body at the millennial reign. We'll already have ours as a church. Now, I don't know how they're going to manage riding their horse, but I'm going to manage quite fine. Hello. And then there's the uh, tribulation saints and the New Testament saints. But notice verse 15, to execute judgment. Whoa, judgment? Yeah, war. To execute judgment upon all and convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and all their, and, and all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. See that word? Ungodly, ungodly, ungodly. And Jesus Christ is going to come and bring judgment upon all the ungodly. He's going to fight in the battle of Armageddon. Look at, um, in case you think, well, the blood on his uh, vesture, the blood there on his, on his uh, vesture dipped in blood, lest you think that that's the blood of Jesus. Let's go to Isaiah 63. And let's put that interpretation to rest if you feel that that's the blood of Jesus dying for our sins. You know, I, I've listened to a lot of different preaching and I've discovered uh, over the study of this book of Revelation, there's a lot of people today that try to spiritualize all the book of Revelation. In fact, they skip chapter 20 completely. I'm not going to skip chapter 20. Look at verse 60, uh, chapter 63, verse 1 through 4. Who is he that cometh from Edom with dyed garments from Bozara? This is that is glorious in his apparel, traveling in greatness of his strength. I that speak in righteousness, mighty to save. Wherefore art thou red in thy apparel, and thy garments like him that treadeth 
in the wine vat. I have trotted the wine press alone. And other people, there was none with me. How many know Jesus is going to win this battle alone? You don't need our help. We can just watch. For I will tread upon them in mine anger, trample them in my fury, and their blood shall be sprinkled upon my garments and will stain all my raiment. For the day of vengeance is in mine heart, and the year of my redeemed is come. Can you visualize this? Jesus Christ is coming to planet Earth, re-entry on planet Earth. When he comes, he's going to come to the valley of, uh, well, actually to the Mount of Olives. He'll stand there. There'll be an earthquake. He'll go down into the valley of Kidron and Hebron and into Megiddo and Jezreel Valley. All them valleys kind of merge together. And Jesus Christ is going to stomp out the grapes. Just stomp, 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 stomp. He's going to conquer all the ungodly. See, nobody wants to see a Jesus like that. I do. How many want to see a Jesus like that? Yeah, the thing, that's a picture you get in Isaiah 63. Stomp, 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 stomp. See, back in those days, they would, they would take their shoes off and get in the wine vat, and the big old you know, juicy grapes would be in the wine vat, and they would take off their shoes, and they'd get in there, and they'd stomp, stomp, stomp. And that old juice would ooze between their toes, and they'd stomp, stomp, stomp. And Jesus Christ says, when I come, I'm going to stomp out the, the uh, great grapes and the uh, ungodly. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, and, and when they would stomp out the, the juice out of the grapes, their, their robes would become, or their garments would become stained with red because of the grapes. Only when Jesus Christ comes, it'll be red blood. Hello. By the way, it, uh, Apostle Paul said in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8, that Jesus will come and he will destroy the Antichrist, the man of sin, with the brightness of his coming and the sword of his mouth, the power of his mouth. Does that mean Jesus is going to have an actual sword coming out of his mouth? No, it just means that when Jesus says, you're dead, you're dead. Hello? When Jesus says, you're dead, you're dead. I mean, when I was growing up, we used to play, you know, uh, cowboys. And, and we'd get a stick that kind of looked like a, a gun. Anybody ever did that? Get a little stick. And we'd, we'd, we'd get out in the backyard, hide behind a tree, hide out behind a rock or something. And we'd go, pow. And my brother Tim would say, miss me, miss me, pow. Miss me, miss me. And he said, miss me. I said, no, you're dead. I got you. Well, when Jesus Christ comes, I don't know exactly his words. It'll be something like this. Pow, 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 pow. How can there be blood flowing to the horse's bridle? Almost 175 to 200 feet uh, miles long and blood flow because on that day it'll be raining and on that day the mountains will break and the waters will flow from the mountains and there'll be a great deluge of water flowing to the valleys and not only will there be the blood of the ungodly there'll be the blood of horses and I don't know exactly how this is going to work I know that it's not a uh, a neutron bomb that we're talking about. 
It's Jesus Christ. Let me know Jesus is bigger than a neutron bomb. Jesus is bigger than an atom bomb and a nuclear weapon. He's bigger than that. And and when Jesus comes in the brightness of his glory, how many know the Bible teaches that no flesh will stand in his sight? So you know what flesh does when Jesus comes down from glory, riding a white horse? All the flesh out there are going to pow, pow, pow at Jesus and think they're going to win. Jesus is going to sweep down there with bright light shining, and they're all going to go pow and disintegrate, and blood will go everywhere. Hollywood has never in, come across with a picture like that before. The valleys will flow with blood. See, it's hard for me to believe that there's a Jesus like this. Listen to me. That Jesus died on the cross of Calvary, so you don't have to be, um, face the, the blunt of his wrath. Amen? Hello? Verse 15, And out of his mouth go a sharp sword with it. He should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he shall tread out the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. He hath on his vesture, on his thigh, a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. And I saw an angel standing in the sun. Wow. Hello. Can you imagine an angel standing in the sun? That's one big angel. Standing in the sun. That's, that's an angel that can't die. Standing in the sun. And what does he say? He cried with a loud voice saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, come and gather yourselves together under the supper of the great God. Jesus mentioned that where the carcass are gathered. Then the vultures, the eagles will gather together to eat their flesh. That you may eat the flesh of the kings, verse 18, and the flesh of the captains and the flesh of the mighty men and the flesh of the horses and of them that sat on them, the flesh of all men, both free and bond, both small and great. Amen? We're talking about two suppers here. The supper, marriage supper of the Lamb, verse 9, and the supper for birds. I love the next part of this. It's awesome. The next part of this. And by the way, if you'll read um, Zechariah chapter 14, that whole chapter, you'll see Jesus comes back to the Mount of Olives. That's where he'll come when he descends to earth. He'll stand on the Mount of Olives. There'll be a great earthquake. There'll be a, uh, you know, the mountains will upheave and the earth will go into convulsions and Jesus will come and, and rule and reign and he'll bring his church with him and we'll be the bride of Jesus Christ and he will uh, bring about a new heaven and a new earth. Notice verse 19, and I saw the beast this beast is the Antichrist. This is the, this is the uh, economical, the, the uh, Babylon of the, the leader of Babylon, commercial Babylon. The beast and the false prophet was taken. Notice it says in verse 19, I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. Now, I want to clear up something. Because it's really easy to think that all these armies are getting together to fight Jesus. That's not what it's teaching. You think, well, all these armies are getting together to fight Jesus. That's not what it teaches. All these armies are getting together to fight Israel, to destroy Israel. And Jesus will come down, and then they'll try to fight Jesus. And it'll be done. I mean, done deal. 
Jesus will come to rescue Israel. And that's what this battle's about. He'll take, verse 20, the beast was taken and, him, uh, and with him the false prophet and that wrought miracles before him and with which he uh, deceived them that had received the mark of the beast and them that worshiped his image. These both were cast alive in the lake of fire, uh, burning with brimstone. Let me say it's not only the beast will be thrown into the, the, the lake of fire, not only the false prophet, but them that worship his image. They'll, they'll be thrown into the lake of fire as well. So it's not just going to be the beast and the false prophet. It's going to be them that worship his image. They too will be cast in the lake of fire. Notice it says here in this verse 20, these both were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. That's the last part of verse 20. And the remnant were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse, and the sword proceeded out of his mouth, and all the fowls were filled with their flesh. This is the supper of the great God. Notice in verse 20, the beast, the antichrist, and the false prophet are cast in the lake of fire. 1,000 years later, 1,000 years later, in Revelation chapter 20, verse 10, the devil that deceived them was cast in the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are, and they shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. So 1,000 years later, the Antichrist, who was a man, the false prophet, who was a man, was cast into the lake of fire. 1,000 years passes through a utopia, the millennial reign, and then the devil, who is not a man, will be cast alive into the lake of fire as though the beast and the false prophet were, and he'll be tormented day and night forever and ever where the false prophet and the beast are. They're still burning a thousand years later and the devil will be burning forever. I think it's interesting that Ezekiel and also Isaiah, where it talks about there'll be a, there'll be a time when we can actually go down to the lake of fire and look in it. And we'll look at Lucifer burning and we'll ask the question, is this the man that deceived the nations? Well, you and I both know that Lucifer's not a man. Lucifer was the highest ranking angel probably that God ever created. Lucifer was not a man. The devil is not a man. Oh, he, he'll inhabit a man. He'll possess a man in the great tribulation, the beast and the false prophet. And he, he, he will use them in great uh, power. He'll kind of be, you know, the Antichrist will be the devil in flesh, basically. But what's, what's incredible to me is when it refers to the final product of Lucifer, he is not called an angel. We ask, is this the man that deceived the nations. God will reduce Lucifer down to just a man. In fact, Lucifer will no longer be an angel. Lucifer will be confined in the lake of fire as a man that can never die. I wish I'd have got the scripture to take that and share it with you. Maybe I can bring it up next uh, next Sunday morning, but there is a scripture that says, is this the man? And I believe Lucifer will be reduced down. You know, he wanted, Lucifer wanted to be God. 
And he's an angel, beautiful angel. He wanted to be God. And God says, okay, I'm going to make you a man. You're not going to be a God. You're going to be a man. You're going to burn in hell forever as a man. And everybody looks at you, you're going to be a man. I'm going to trap you in man's body to burn in the lake of fire forever. That's pretty interesting, isn't it? That's really interesting. That's so interesting that some of you are going to go dig into your Bibles this afternoon or tonight to try to find that. Isaiah 14. Isaiah 14, verse 16. Well, let's, let's read that. Isaiah or Ezekiel? All right, let's find that. Isaiah 14. I got my concordance over here in the, in the seat. I got a concordance called Joshua. Isaiah 14. I thought it was in Ezekiel. Ezekiel or Isaiah. Verse 14. What verse do you say? 14, 16. They that see thee shall narrowly look upon thee and consider thee, saying, Is this the man that made the earth to tremble? that did shake the kingdoms. He's speaking to Lucifer. So, what is next on the agenda? Let me kind of give you a little kind of a bird's eye view first. Any moment, the rapture of the church. The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, the voice of an archangel, the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we which are alive and remaining shall be caught up to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is going to come and get his church. Then there's going to be a judgment seat of Christ, the Bema seat. We're going to be judged according to not our sins, but to our works and motivation, our, our motives of what we're doing. Then there'll be the a, a battle, probably a battle of Gog and Magog coming down Russia, Turkey, Iran. There's a good chance that Russia, Russia's already buddies with Iran. Russia's already buddying up with Turkey. And so you've got the ISIS with Turkey and then you've got Iran and you've got Russia and they're already buddying up. And it's just a matter of time that Russia's going to attack Israel. So how do you know that? Because the Bible says that. It's coming. It could happen before the rapture. It could happen Next week. But guarantee you, it will happen even if it happens after the rapture. Then the great tribulation. Then the second coming of Jesus Christ and every eye will see him when he comes. When Jesus Christ comes, he treads out the wine press and he covers himself in the blood of the ungodly and he conquers the, the evil and he breaks down the Bondages, and he takes the beast and the false prophet and casts them in the lake of the fire. He takes the, the devil, the Lucifer, and binds him in the bottomless pit for, for 1,000 years. And Jesus Christ sets up a utopia, a, a great place on planet earth. And Jesus Christ will rule and reign for 1,000 years. And you, as, you and I, as the church of Jesus Christ, will rule and reign with him on this planet. And we'll be, uh, Jesus Christ will be king of kings. David will be king over Israel. And Jesus will be king of kings over the world. Amen. 
And then after the Battle of Armageddon or Battle of Gog and Magog, there'll be another battle. Someone said, well, when is the Battle of Gog and Magog? I think it's a continuous conflict from the start to finish. I believe it will climax after the millennium. There'll be that cancerous war machine of Russia, Gog, Magog, cancerous war machine that will rise up again at the end when Lucifer gets out of the, out of the pit. And they will come again and God will just, you know, bang. And it's done. I don't know whether it'll say bang or not, but it, it's done. It don't say much about this battle. And then what we'll see is Jesus making a new heaven and a new earth. A brand new heaven, a brand new earth. And then that brand new earth won't have sea, won't have an ocean. It'll be without ocean, without sea. God shall wipe away all tears from our eyes. And down from the atmosphere, down through the heavens, down from heaven's splendor will descend what is called the holy city Jerusalem. And the holy city Jerusalem will hover over the planet like a gigantic moon lit up with the light of the Lamb. And the water source will be the new city Jerusalem. All the waters will come from that city, from the throne of God, the river of life, and will spill out on the planet like rivers and lakes. We'll get into that later on, but it, it's just incredible. It's amazing. And you say, well, what you're saying is the the new city of Jerusalem will be a satellite. No, I'm saying the earth's going to be the satellite. You say, well, the moon be gone. The Bible says there'll be no need for the sun or the moon. No, I don't think they'll be gone. They'll just be useless. I think they'll still be there, but I mean, why do you need a flashlight shining at the sun in the middle of broad daylight to see if you can see something? Hello? Amen. And so, I love this. The Lord's coming. Earth's, earth's re-entry. Jesus left. First chapter of the book of Acts, he left. Remember, he went up into the heavens. He put out his arms. He blessed the disciples. He left from the Mount of Olives. And he ascended up into the atmosphere. And Jesus Christ grabbed a cloud and wrapped it around him and gone. He disappears. And the disciples are looking going. And they're going. And they're going. And the two men in white apparel says, look at them idiots down there. We got to go talk to them. And the two men in white apparel, which was angels, said, why, you men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus will come in like manner as you've seen him go. Now you go down to Jerusalem and get busy because he's coming back. And Isaiah says, when he comes back, his feet will touch down the same place he left. And his feet will touch there in the 14th chapter of Zechariah, his feet will touch the Mount of Olives and there'll be a great earthquake today. The scientists tell us that they have found a great earthquake fault under the Mount of Olives. Well, who would ever guess that? And Jesus will come down. And they say that 
earthquake will just split right down through the valley. Huh. Sounds pretty cool, huh? Well, I don't need scientists to tell me that. I know when Jesus shows up, it could be solid flint rock and it'll split because Jesus is the God of gods. Doesn't have to have an earthquake or anything else. And by the way, God doesn't need nuclear weapons to do what he needs to do. There may be some in the future, and I think there will be, but our God is not limited to any powers of earth. When he brings his re-entry, there'll be a great earthquake through Jerusalem. And he'll come down to the valley of Megiddo and Jezreel, down through those valleys, and he'll conquer the enemy and go right into the valley of Megiddo, the valley of Armageddon, and he will destroy every ungodly thing there. Then he'll separate the sheep from the goats because some will be in outer places that are not actually touched from the tribulation. He'll separate the sheep from the goats. He'll decide who lives and who dies. That don't sound fair. A king always decides who lives and who dies. And the king will decide who lives and who dies. And he will say to them on his left hand, you bless me, you've been good, come and enter into the joys of the Lord. He'll say to them, that, that's on his left hand rather, you're, 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 you're doomed, you're, you're the hell. He says to them on his right hand, let me, get, let me get my right hand, left hand working here. He'll say to them on his left hand, the goats, you didn't bless me, you disobeyed me, and you're gonna be cast into outer darkness, into the lake of fire. He said to them on his right hand, the sheep, you've, you've watered, you gave, you helped, you blessed, enter into the joys of the Lord. And there'll be people that will be assembled in the millennial reign. There'll be a great kingdom. And by the way, there are theologians today, I've got commentaries in my room, that the commentaries speak of chapter 19, but they leave out chapter 20. Not even in there. I've listened to preachers talk about chapter 19, but never mention chapter 20. Why? Because they do not believe in a thousand year reign. They just say that thousand years is just a long time. The only thing I can agree with them on that on is, yeah, a thousand years is a long time. But I disagree that it's just a long time. I believe it is 1,000 years. Amen? And there's people that believe that we're living in the millennial right now, long, long time. Devil's done been bound. I've said this before and I'll say it again. If, he's been, if the devil's been bound in the bottomless pit right now, today, he must be on a mighty long chain to reach my house. He's still around. He's still working. And there's those, I, I just listened to a guy preached uh, yesterday that said, Chapter 19 is not a literal battle. It's just, you know, symbolic, spiritualistic. Just, it's just spiritual. Th and I'm thinking, you know, uh, I'd turn you off right now, but I want to see how dumber you get. And boy, did he get dumber. Well, this ain't a real battle. You know, this is just uh, happening now. You know, it just, and I'm thinking, you got off the wrong bus. You got on the wrong bus. And I'm thinking, this guy, he's going to spiritualize everything. Well, if you're going to spiritualize chapter 19, where do you stop it when you get into the 
the, the Beatitudes and the rest of the Bible. Where do, you, where, do you, where do you draw the line? You're just going to make the Bible say what you want it to say. I believe it was Ronald Reagan that says, peace through strength. And I think Jesus feels the same way. Now, he has peace through strength on the cross of Calvary for those that believe in him. But one day, God's, Jesus Christ is going to return and he's going to demand peace on the earth and he'll do it through strength. How else would God do it? Come on. Come on. You got it. You got a guy in Russia right now that's slaughtering Ukrainians. War taking place. Innocent people are dying. And, you know, these people are so spiritual. Bless God. God will handle it all. And you walk out there in the middle of those bombs, in the middle of them armies, and you say, now, Putin, you know the Lord really loves you. Now, Putin, if you would just Give your heart to Jesus Christ. Don't misunderstand me. I'd love for that to happen. But if you go out in the middle of valley, out in the middle of a battle, and start talking that way, you're gonna die. Flesh is flesh, and God's gonna fight the flesh, and He's gonna put it in. And if people insist on living in the flesh, they're gonna die in the flesh. Let me say that again. If people insist on living in the flesh, they're gonna die in the flesh. And Jesus Christ is gonna return. Reentry to planet earth. I'm coming with him. How about you? Hello. Amen. I'm going to ask the Lord next time I pray, give me a horse that's a little bit faster than Jerry's. Because I just want to leave Jerry behind in the clouds. That ain't going to happen. We'll be riding together, amen. Hallelujah. Riding on them horses. I used to resent that because, you know, who wants to... Some of you guys, you like riding horses. But me, like I say, they don't cooperate. They're going up, I'm going down. They're going down, I'm going up. They don't cooperate. I'm not a good horse rider. But when I read in the scriptures that these are not ordinary horses, they come out of heaven... Ah, you know, I'm, I'm game for that. How many game for that? I'm ready to get on one of them. Amen? Now, let me, give you a, let me give you a little fair warning. Angels will not be riding them horses because angels travel just in their ability to travel. In their, but we'll be traveling in the horses because we'll be given a body likened unto Jesus and we'll ride back with Jesus. There'll be angels, multitudes of angels coming, but we'll be in our glorified body riding horses amen and so don't ever let anybody tell you there ain't going to be animals in heaven there already are your horses up there waiting on you now I, I'm going to stretch a little bit because I, I know how many got a favorite had a favorite dog make a favorite dog um, we know all dogs go to heaven don't we all cats go to hell, but we know all dogs go to heaven. Don't we know that? Oh, come on, give me a break. You're looking at me like, you miserable preacher. But anyway, I, you know, 
A God is a God of detail. A God that weeps over a sparrow falling to the ground. A God that knows the very hair upon your head being gone. I feel, now, the only scripture I got with this is, all things are possible to him that believeth. The only scripture I got with this is nothing is impossible and nothing's too hard for God. So, you know, I'm not totally out of the scriptures. I believe that there will be a good chance that if you have a heart's desire to meet your dog in the other place. Now, they don't have souls. They don't, they're not redeemed. They're not given eternal life. But maybe if you'd like to meet your dog. I don't see... I really think God could let you meet your dog. Now, he might let you meet your cat, and then you'll have to go down and wash up afterwards and purify yourself and sanctify yourself. Favorite horse. Amen? Hello? I can't remember which little girl, one of my girls, it was either Charity or Judy, I don't remember which one, but we had a goldfish, a little bowl. And the goldfish jumped out of the bowl on the floor. And the goldfish died. I think it was little Judy. She said, I think it was her. It might not have been. But, but one of the little girls said, Dad, pray for my goldfish. And I said, I can't pray for your goldfish. It's dead. She said, well, can't God make him swim again? I said, well, he can, but we're not going to do that. And here I am out in the backyard having a funeral service for a goldfish. I think Chris got involved in a funeral for, what was it, a guinea pig? Granny's dog. Wags. He didn't need no funeral. Wags, Wags the dumbest dog in the whole planet. Wag's back got bad shape. Now, I know I've got to quit because we're running out of time, but you've got to hear this about Wag's. Wag's had a broken tail. I think Granny broke it because I think she let the door slam on it or something when he was little. So Wag's had a tail like this. Uh, no, it wasn't like, it was, you know, it was being over. And, and so Wag's was kind of dumb, and Wag's smelled really bad. Isn't that right, Charity? Wags was pretty nasty. Wags wasn't very smart. We made him a doghouse so he could sleep out of the cold. And we would look out, snow on the ground, and he'd be laying out there beside his doghouse out there on the snow. He wouldn't go in his house. He got stoved up in his back where he couldn't walk hardly. No kidding. He would get on the cellar we had a cellar in the backyard. He'd get on the cellar. I don't know how he got up there, but he'd crawl up there. He'd drag his legs behind him. He'd get up on the cellar. And when it came time to get down, he would lay down on his belly, and he would roll, flip, 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 right down the cellar. When he reached the bottom, he'd get up, and he'd shake it off. And get that little tail and point it in the right direction and start walking off. And one day I was coming up, getting ready to pull in the drive, and Wags was getting ready to go across the street. 
We had a long embankment. I said, this I got to see. So Wags gets to the long embankment for the, and he lays down and he goes flip, 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 flip. Gets in the bottom of the ditch. He gets up, wags himself. That's why they called him Wags. Wags it, got his tail straight, looked to the right, looked to the left, went across the highway. Now, how many would agree that Though the dog wasn't very smart, some of us need to learn from that dog. He never gave up. He never gave up. And then when he finally did die, he was really old. You helped with the funeral, didn't you? Did you sing at the funeral? Did you sing, did you sing at the funeral? No, you had a word of prayer. You did have a word of prayer for the dog. I love you, Chris. What a great man of God you are. I believe Leonard McVeigh came out and did one for the, for the guinea pig. Yeah, he did for Juju's guinea, guinea pig. So, you know, pets are wonderful. And I, and I have to say, I don't have no scripture to back it, but I kind of feel that God, if he can do anything, he might let us hug our special pet again. He might let us just see it again. And, 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 experience that time again. That's a big God, amen? Now, they don't have souls. They don't get eternal life. They don't live forever. But I do think God can do anything, amen? Hallelujah. Stand with me. You glad you came? You like this Revelation 19? Isn't it good? This is a real battle. Jesus Christ is coming in the clouds of glory. And when he comes, he's bringing us with him. He's going to rule and reign. He's going to conquer. He's going to put together a new heaven and a new earth. He's going to put together a beautiful earth. And there'll be a great uh, Ezekiel's temple there in that millennium. There'll be a time of blessing. And we'll have a thousand years. And, and how many ever stop to think young people die young? You know, you know, old people must die. Young people will die. How many, how many ever knew some young people that were Christians that died? Young people that died as Christians. I've known some young people that died that never got to marry, never did anything, that, you know. And, and I'm thinking in the millennium, I think they'll all have a chance to do the things that they've never done before. That God will restore to them and they'll be able to go and do the things they need to go. Judy told me the other day she ain't going to Israel with me until the millennium. She won't go to Israel with me. But she said, I'll go when Jesus is running the place. Well, I'd go now if I had the chance. But I do think that there's chances that God will allow people to do things they've never done before in the millennium in the millennium because God's going to restore life to people and blessing to people amen amen hallelujah praise the Lord we're going to give an invitation God's going to play and sing